everyone. This is Joshua Hoffman and Alex Garashenko, and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success, and in season two, discuss the future of marketing. Today, I have Sarah Helmy, the founder and CEO of Tribute, a creative advertising and branding agency that focuses on human connection and developing consumer loyalty by innovative use of progressive advertising media. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So we obviously spoke before this uh, to prep for the episode, and there was one word that kept coming up, and that word is unconventional. Um, so that's exactly where I want to start. And you mentioned Tribute does a few things that are unconventional, which we'll we'll talk about in a second. Um, but it sounds like everything started in college with your first company, Part Apparel. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about why, what that was and why it was unconventional? Okay, so um, you know, in college, I was one of those kids that like bounced around major to major. And um, I, you know, finally landed in business and I was taking an um, economics course and the professor was pretty much like your your project this semester is going to be focused on the working poor and raising money for those um, that unfortunately are, you know, homeless or really struggling to make ends meet. So we formed Part Apparel. We had this idea of, you know, let's just put some artists designs on T-shirts and go to parties and sell them and um, anything that we make, you know, we'll order a next round of t-shirts and everything above that goes to the cause. And we just felt in love with that so much. Um, and the class ended and we wanted to keep going. Um, so that's pretty much what part apparel did. And it was an excuse, honestly, to have fun. That was kind of how I found my love for marketing and entrepreneurship too. Um, and we ended up, you know, doing cool things like throwing the largest fashion show that Corpus Christi had ever seen at the time, we had like 800 people in attendance. Um, and it just allowed us to be a part of, I don't know, something that was giving back. It was for good reason. For me, it was uh, learn in a really fun way about the realities of like being in charge of something, founding something, you know. Um, making ends meet, being responsible for money, you know, having that kind of responsibility um, to see the next day. And so we just kind of ran, or I just ran part apparel until college ended really, you know, and then after college, it's like, what's next? Um, what what was like kind of unconventional about that r- rather than like a normal business? It was, um, it was a social business or enterprise, you know, which was, a model that wasn't necessarily widely adopted. I mean, even still like the U S doesn't really have like good regulations that account for that type of business where it's kind of like this blend of like nonprofit, but being self-sustainable at the same time. So you're not reliant on donor funding to, to continue to, you know, um, have an impact on whatever mission you're serving. Um, that I felt was unconventional and, and being in college and running that was unconventional, you know, um, just the approach, the entire, like, rather than go out and ask for money for the homeless, like how could we earn it and do it? And what could we birth? And then including like artists and in as a part of that process as well, and just getting the community involved. Um, there was a lot about it that was unconventional. I mean, a fashion show in Corpus Christi was unconventional, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, you know, did starting that company make you feel comfortable starting your own business? And you were kind of getting into that, but can you can you talk about that? 
Yeah. Starting that company definitely helped me realize that, you know, birthing something from nothing, um, the bootstrap, you know, um, being resourced then and growing something, um, that you can be proud of was a high that I like very deeply enjoyed. And it, in, in running part, I, I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to run part apparel forever, but I knew I wanted that high forever. If that makes yeah. sense, you know? Um, and I think like the entrepreneurial itch, like I, I call it an itch because one day it gets so bad, you just have to scratch it. And then you're just like taking the risk, you know, and that's less painful than not scratching the itch, you know? Um, I think it was, it was born then. Yeah. I, when I was trying to scratch that itch in college as well, I came up with like, I don't know if this is actually a quote in somewhere else, some famous person or whatever, but it was, um, uh, your fear of failure should be bigger than your fear of regret. And I think that's kind of what you're saying as well is like, I'd oh. rather just swing for the fences, and especially when you're young and you don't have crazy bills or kids or anything like that. Um, I think it's a little easier to, to do higher risk things. Um, but man, do I hear you? Right. Um, I was, yeah. I was 22 at the time too. So it's like, you know, when's it ever going to be like safer to fail? Like I didn't have a mortgage, didn't have the kids, just like you said. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. And and so now a lot of what you do at Tribute is, I guess, fairly unconventional compared to a lot of other agencies. And sorry if I'm taking your fire here, but you know, you have no account executives. Uh, we were just talking about this before the call, but you have certain onboarding days. You mentioned the culture is different. Um, so I'll let you go in either of these two directions. One, why do you do those specifically? Or can you like talk us through why you made those decisions? So uh, part of it is like, uh, part of it's kind of like ignorance in a way that landed us in a good spot, like good, healthy ignorance. Tribute started when I was 22 years old. And so like part of the reason we didn't have account executives at the start was that like we didn't know what they were, <laughs> you know, and we couldn't we we knew that the brands we were serving needed design or needed a website. And so we were bootstrapped and we got what we needed and we didn't know what account executives were. You know, that's that's how it started. What it turned into, though, is this idea that account executives sometimes like, well, you know, in most agencies, they provide a very good function. Sometimes they create distance between the customer and the person doing the work. And it worked for us. What started out of ignorance grew into a healthy thing. Um, it was the the blessing of not having seen it happen in other agencies before I started Tribute that allowed me to believe that maybe this other structure was possible. And it definitely isn't perfect and it comes with its challenges, but it has created like an experience for our customers that might not be for everyone, but those who it's for really, really love it. This ability to like work directly with your graphic designer and develop a relationship with your designer, as well as the person doing your website, as well as the person publishing your social and like that really direct and close relationship with the hands that are actually touching the work um, has been born in that. Um, I don't know if that like fully answers the question, but that's kind of just the general gist of like how it how it came to be. That's one of the ways we're unconventional. Um, a lot of it came from just, you know, starting an agency without having had much time working in another agency. So you kind of like figure out what works as you go along. 
And that doesn't always land you in the standard agency model. Um, and so I, another way that that's been very um, true for us beyond just like not having account executives is this idea of tribes. So what we've done instead is like, you've got every partner, that's what we call our customers who work with Tribute has their own tribe. And it's their same, it's the same designer as same social media marketer and the same web designer and the same digital marketer um, that work together on a tribe and serve that client and their business. And so it's almost like you have like a team that feels a little bit like your own marketing team and whether or not they're collaborating with the in-house marketer over there or straight with the entrepreneur who's designing this business from the ground up um, changes, but it's just an unconventional way of operating. I feel like um, that was born kind of from starting an agency at 22. There are some things we've learned like uh, from other agencies that we felt, Hey, it would have been really nice to know that sooner, you know? Um, but I, I think it's just kind of like the good and the bad, or like, it's a very paradoxical thing having started that way. And it's led to some ways that were really not, um, normal. Um, but it's in some of those ways are really great, you know? Don't call them clients, call them partners. Got it. Call them partners. Yeah. I used to do do the same thing. Uh, My first company was like online booking for groups for like restaurants and stuff. Um, And I, I, maybe I went too far. I I made the team never say user. Like we can never say user, right? Like, cause when you think user, you're like thinking user and then a number and like, you're not thinking of a human space. Um, so it was like our guests or is like whatever it was. I, I did the same thing. I totally get it. Yeah. Like how, Chick-fil-A, like, I don't know if anybody notices this about Chick-fil-A, but they don't say thank you. They say my pleasure, you know, like, uh, or they don't say you're welcome. I'm sorry. When someone says thank you, they don't say you're welcome. They say my pleasure. Um, and that's the same with us. Like we don't, we try not to say client. We try to say partner and we try not to say team. We try to subscribe, you know, uh, that's pretty much where that comes from. I even even uh Chick-fil-A, I like that they just say something back to you. Uh like yeah. you're in the drive-thru. I'm like, I'm like, oh, you guys are so nice. You sound like humans over there. And I think that's the whole point of this whole thing. Um, something I also just quickly want to talk about um back on the unconventional is right before the call again, we were talking about billing and onboarding. Um, and all three of us had issues early in our careers, early in the jobs with billing and onboarding at different times um, and how much of a headache that is. And I talked about how I would just make little mistakes sometimes and everything, because it was, especially because it wasn't automated. Um, but can you talk about, again, you know, last part of this unconventional chapter, um, unless, you know, we have more, um, why you do billing and onboarding on specific days? Um, the first and the 15th of every month. It's just, you know, I think starting, if you're starting a relationship with a new brand or partner, like, uh, that's a, that's a heavy load in any agency. Like you have to learn, you have to learn that partner's world. It, it, it creates a surge in work also on the billing and administrative side. Like if it's not controlled in timing, it, it, eventually you're just, you know, who do I bill on what day? And that's a whole world of things to, to remember and get right on top of how do we be an excellent agency? So that's, uh, to me, where we've landed is like, we onboard our new partners on the first or the 15th of every month. And if you're working inside of Tribute or if you're in one of those tribes, you know that on the first or the 15th, you're likely going to be working with somebody new and you can kind of plan for that and get in the creative headspace for that. Mm. Um, and I think it's, you know, agency life period 
I'm sure I'm not the first person to say that is a chaotic life. It's timeline, deadline driven galore, you know, and it just controls a little bit of that chaos. What can be controlled, you know? Um, and that's kind of why we've moved it that way. And operationally, it's beautiful too, because it's like, you know, you know what day you're going to be billing your partners. You also know what day your payroll is coming out. And it just makes for this beautiful, like, cycle of cash flow that keeps the agency, like, financially healthy, you know? Is it, yeah, some, part of is it. it, is it somewhat automated? Um, and if so, what tools do you use? It is automated. I mean, you get, like... Um, ACH and credit card authorizations. We're just using honestly QuickBooks online. We should probably save on some merchant fees by looking at some better tools. But um, we're just we're just using QuickBooks online. Like keep it simple. <laughs> we use Stripe. Uh, yeah. Finally, realized we we had to automate. We use Stripe. Um, I don't remember what the. Oh man, I used to know that like the back of my hand what the charges were, but not anymore. <laughs> not, not the subscription game. It's probably a good thing not to know because those really big names have the highest to the like purchase. Yeah. Like yeah. 30 cents 2. per 2.3 yeah. 2. Yeah. 2. plus 30 cents. I guess it's making money, so it's always good. Like you always do like it. It's like the money day, but oh man, billing. Um uh okay, cool. So at this Before point you go on, Josh, yeah, a question. So um so you have the onboarding cycle, which is great. We've actually started since our discovery call. We mentioned it's one of our partners. Awesome. And um, it was interesting. Yeah, initially, I couldn't remember where I heard it. But then as, as we got on this call, I was like, oh, that's right. Sarah does this at Trivium. <laughs> um, and uh, so when your partners are direct to your tribe um, and with any digital marketing agency, there's potential overages or things that weren't planned in the initial scope and things may fall out of scope. Um, if they're talking, if the partners are talking directly to the team, how is that controlled? Because the partners may may ask for certain things. Is is your structure for your retainers a certain way or allows that flexibility or do you have to then do something on the back end? Oh man, that's an incredible question. Uh, we have, that's actually it's an incredible question and it's hard for us. That is one of the things that makes it hard, the way that we're structured. Um, we do, we, we talk about scope a lot at the start and we set expectations there at the same time. Like we don't want our partners just to stay within scope, to stay within scope. You know, mm -hmm. we want to grow our relationship, like with, with the brands that we're lucky to serve, you know? Um, so another unconventional attribute is that we have like a sales department. You know, some agencies have their new business team. We have our, our, we have three solutions consultants. That's what we call them. And their entire function is to listen to a tribe when a tribe is saying, hey, whose partner needs this and then go execute and have that conversation, you know? Uh, so there is a resource internally inside of Tribute where if you're working on a tribe and you see that there is a need for something that is not within that scope, right? We don't want to put them in a situation where they're saying, no, their job is to basically, you know, do the best they can for that brand. And we don't necessarily want them. We want them to be mindful of resources. We want them to be mindful of scope, but we don't want them to be hindered by that, you mm -hmm. know? So that solutions consultant or our sales team like they serve two, they serve two things really. A huge part of what they serve is those tribes. You know, if there is something that's needed in addition, 
it doesn't really matter if it's the first or the 15th or whatever time it is, like they can go in and have that conversation and they do have those relationships with our partners, you know? And then also like they're responsible for bringing in the new. Um, so that's kind of how we've gotten there is like that bridge has to be very strong between mm-hmm. like the tribe and um, and the solutions consultants at Tribune. That's a, that's, that sounds like a great setup. So they're, they're it's not perfect. It, it, you know, it, it, there's a lot of human judgment involved in that mm-hmm. process that has to be gotten right. It's not perfect, but I do think it's better than we never want our partners to have the experience of like, sorry, that's not scope. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. You know, hear a lot. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Most, most people working with digital agencies hear that a lot. You have certain yeah. parameters. It's, so you allow them to, go as far as they want and then this the solution consultant is listening to those conversations and just essentially keeping an eye on how are we doing is is this fault essentially are the expectations met that what we signed up to do together is still what we're doing together or does it has it expanded right and it's like we don't always at the end of the day too like i don't think we we never want to be a nickel and diming agency that's really hard i think in our world to Mm -hmm. to never to never be that agency, right? Uh, but I think, like, I at the end of the day, like, sometimes we're not going to win in this model, you know? But over the long term, we win, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. You know, sometimes in the short term, you're going to have a month where you search because something is happening to that business. And at the end of the day, like, our partners are with us for results, like, and they're with us for the outcomes, less than they are whatever the scope items say, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so there's going to be months, you know, where something surprise happens, there's an opportunity, we need to capitalize on it. Let's do that. That's what it means to be a partner. Let's talk about it afterwards, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of, you know, there's going to be some months where you don't win in that model, but over the long term, you do. Like, right. Is, know. Your, um, is your usual arrangement set up as like a recurring retainer or subscription, or is it usually project-based or, you know, when does it vary? For it's group? subscription. It's, it's largely, so 80% of our business is on a subscription model. You mm-hmm. know, um, the other 20% is, you know, you can, you can just hire us to do your brand for this new concept or this new division in your business that you're building, you know, um, and that can be projected out, scoped out and start date and end dates pretty clear, you know, um, that's the other 20%, but for the most part it is a subscription model. Our partners love that because they know what they're going to pay, you know, every mm-hmm. single month. And for the most part, it's predictable. And typically like they're adding onto a subscription. So like, you know, maybe they don't start off with absolutely every service we offer, um, in their hands, but then they mm-hmm. learn, okay, through the act of, you know, my SEO work, I've learned that I like you guys. I already know my entire tribe. Let's go ahead and add some social too. You know, um, so that's kind of how that works. Yeah. And then that, that makes it easier and more flexible on your end. Um, also, as uh, as new requests come in, since in the subscription model, it's not like a defined fixed project price, which is great. Um, on the customer side, it's great, though, because I feel like, you know, if you're a partner or a customer or dealing or with any agency, like there's so much onus on you to know exactly what you need. And the reality of business is that it changes really fast. And something that you thought you knew exactly what you needed five months ago has drastically changed, you know, and in the act of discovery and this type of work, maybe the partner thinks that 
oh, I want this, but they learn, actually, guys, we both kind of agree we need this. Does that, you know? So that flexibility, I think, is something that customers like um really enjoy the ability to say, you know, I thought this was going to be my number one priority in Q2, but actually we've got this event coming up and now this is it instead. Let's use our resources here. And they don't have to go back to a contract every time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that helps. I got another question related to the um direct relationship within the tribe and, and the partners. Um, so covered on the cost front, which is which is great that you have a solution there and then it works. Um, how about on the communication side? Um, how are you handling communication between the team and, and the partner on an ongoing basis? Um, there is like in, nothing happens ideally, right? But in the ideal world, you're talking to each other, you're sitting down once a month to review absolutely everything that's been done and what the numbers look like. And that's the part that they really listen to. Like, what do the numbers say? <laughs> you know? Um, in an ideal world, we're doing that once a month. And then in between, it's it's phone calls. Like, I try really hard to, like, we all try at Tribune. We're not perfect at this, but we try really hard to, like, let's please not have, like, this, this scheduled, recurring, repeating meeting that bogs down everybody's calendar that both sides eventually end up feeling, you know, it's just another meeting on top of many meetings I have to attend. Mm-hmm. Let's make that once a month discussion really count. And let's just pick up the phone and call each other in between. So you've got some partners that you end up talking to, like, I don't know, three or four times a week. And you've got other partners that like that once a month meeting is very important to them. They come prepared every single time. We come prepared every single time. And we're not going to see them again for another month, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe we'll talk to them once if something comes up in their world, you know, mm-hmm. um, in between. And that I will say that the communication for the structure we have is a little bit burdensome. Like you need four people to be in the loop uh, mm-hmm. all the time. You know, if someone's on a full service like subscription with Tribu, like you need the social media marketer to know what's going on, the designer to know what's going on, the web designer and the digital marketer. Like, mm-hmm. um, but honestly, like it's just keep everybody CC'd. There's a lot of reading, you know, and uh, we do have like an L10. Uh, each tribe has their own L10. I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with L10s. Like from Traction, it's oh. a it's a it's a prescribed media agenda that's really effective at like surfacing issues, solving issues, discussing issues, and also sharing news and updates. And so every tribe has their own internal L10 once a week. And that helps with that as well. Just keeping everybody in the loop in terms of like what conversations have been had and what's happening in all of these businesses that we're serving. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I just like, quickly google that so i can like look at it later and like uh, everything you're saying i'm like i'm gonna dive into that i'm gonna dive into that uh and i told you alex ask ask great questions um but are there you know to piggyback off of you guys are there any situations that you learned from and kind of said like okay we're not doing this again uh so many <laughs> in regards to like a lot um <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anything that comes to mind based on a lot of stuff that we were just talking about with like scheduling and anything like that Yes, I think there are situations where there's natural conflict in our model and conflict, I think it is healthy, right? Like in any business, it means that people are coming from their perspective with deep care, you know? Um, 
So there's conflict. Obviously, the solutions consultant, you know, really wants to say, yeah, we can get this done by this time. Right. But the tribe might say, hey, wait a second. Like, hold on. I've got these commitments already happening. Can we get this done by this time for real? Like, you know, and that kind of conflict, I think, is healthy. Something we've learned, like, the hard way is that, like, that conversation should never be skipped, (laughs) you know, and like that, that conflict should always happen to a good resolution. Like, you know, um, I think culture wise, we haven't always also had like the the amazing culture we do today. Like um, our operations really unconventional, um, which means our culture has to be kind of unconventional to work with it. Um, And we've done a lot of great work to get it there. And I love the people that we're working with right now. I'm so like happy they are our tribe. Uh, but it wasn't in transparency, like it wasn't always that way. Um, this Because it's unconventional, like there's a lot of learning when you come to work at Tribute of how Tribute works. Whereas like if you're coming from another agency, like you might just be like, this is exactly the same as the last one I was at, or maybe there's some minor differences or nuances. And so we've learned, like we have to put in a lot of training and effort and teaching into how we work, how we're different, why we're different. And why, like, what of those things that are different, are we open to changing? Do we actually need better process on? And what are those things and ways that were different that we're not open to changing? Like, for example, like, you know, we're not going to have account executives one day, (laughs) you know? Um, So culture wise, I think we've, we've had some messes in the past by not communicating those things as well as we do now, you know, and making sure that we communicate them in our hiring process, like at the front before the relationship begins, this is how we're different. How does that jive with you? Honestly, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, completely. Um, Now I just want to take a step back. uh, Can you actually just tell us a little bit more about the business? Yeah. So tribute, tribute means tribe in Latin. Um, There's two areas that we focus on uh, branding and digital marketing. Um, we try our, our, the reason we're called tribe in Latin is we believe that if you build a really great brand and a really strong tribe is going to follow as a result. And those two service areas are very much on purpose. Um, if you've got a really strong brand and you've got really strong digital marketing, then you've got creative that's measurable and you're not putting necessarily your partner is always in the situation or agency clients always in the situation of having to choose between like really good creative or really good numbers. <laughs> like, you know, so we, we try to live at that intersection and if we're doing it right, the result is a tribe for whatever brand we're building or serving. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, just to talk about the future for a second, um, you know, where do you see marketing going and are there any changes that you've made in the past, in the recent past or planning to make at your firm? Artificial intelligence. Uh, so like, so hardcore, like agent, uh, what is it? Chat GPT. Then there's agent GPT, which you can basically form like task. Uh, sorry. I just went straight into that. Let me give you, let me start. Run, run. Um, I do think like artificial intelligence is, I don't, I, we're not scared about it coming for our jobs. We, we are, we are aware of the ways it's going to change our jobs, not even fully aware, but we're all in admission of the fact that it is going to change our jobs. Like, you know, 
if you're a marketing strategist or a digital marketer, for example, and you're planning a campaign, right now that's all something you're doing with a lot of business knowledge that's been shared with you from the partner. In reality, in the future, it's going to be how good are you at giving Agent GPT like an effective prompt so that it can do it for you? <laughs> you know, like, um, and then that way, I think it's going, it's going to move us forward. I think it's going to increase the expectations of high quality because everything takes less time now, you know, um, you know, writing a blog doesn't take that long anymore. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and in coming up with an entire campaign, if you're, if you're good at prompting agent GPT doesn't happen over a month now, it happens over 20 minutes. Does that, you know, so yeah, I, I sorry. No, I, 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 I think like as a, it's like a thought partner, right? Like it's an additional thought partner that uh, at the end of the day, it always takes two to tango, right? Like, and especially with something that is not going to be proactive and is more reactive, like it comes down to those prompts. But like, I, I use it for search all the time and everything, but I agree. I, I you know, may, will it take some jobs maybe, um, but I think especially like the creative fields, I think it's just a, a great thought partner to have and it can look for the, through Google better than you can. It can look through, you know, right. the internet. Um, so no, I, I totally hear you on mm-hmm. that. Josh, on that point. So um some of the positioning uh, for tribute is progressive advertising. Can you, can you define that? What what does progressive advertising mean, and how is it offered? It means get on TikTok when paid on TikTok starts performing well. Like you know, get there first. So that mm-hmm. you know, it means it. You know, it it means use Asia GPT to help you craft a strong marketing strategy, not be afraid of it or shy away from it or say, I hate that. And let me start mm-hmm. trying to convince clients why it's bad and I'm better. It means get on it. <laughs> that's, that's a, you know, like, uh, it means how can we use this to be better? You know, um, it, it's very much about like not resenting change in a world that like in, in digital, especially like everything we were doing four years ago is, not really that relevant right now, <laughs> you know? Um, and so to me, like the the progressive inside of tribute means that you've got to have like an open-mindedness and almost an obsession with these new capabilities and technologies and an excitement to infuse them into our work rather than like um almost like a stubbornness that comes with Mm -hmm. a very human and natural thing to do is just like, I just want to know how to do something and for it to be predictable. Like um, that's just not going to exist for us at Tribute. It's just not our DNA, you know? That's great. Yeah. You'll never get stuck. Sometimes we'll make some messes though. Dive Mm -hmm. head first into, you know, it it definitely means we have to have also a fail fast culture. Mm -hmm. Like, um, which is something that we also say to everybody who comes here at day one is like, this is a fail fast culture. Like, I don't, we don't care how good you think you are at failing right now. Tribute is going to make you better at it. I I just really like how you approach things. I like that you don't just read a book and do it by that. I mean, I know you mentioned something from traction, but um, I like how you say, you know, like, let's, pay attention to how to get to the best answer rather than like, Oh, this is what I was taught. Let's just do this. Like you take a, mm-hmm. you take a 
fresh approach to everything, um, whether it was ignorance in the beginning, whether it was learning throughout. Like, I, I just really like how you approach things. It's um, the curiosity aspect. You can't. Um, right? It's you can't a, yeah, it's a huge part. Yeah. Yeah. Curiosity. Or not. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, I was, you know, there was, I was trying to force a, a quote in there because you were saying some things and I didn't come up with anything. However, now that you said curiosity, um, according to Albert Einstein, he said, um that he was no smarter than anyone he was just more curious than everyone and that's why he became you know that he then he would dive into books and everything and and mm. learn everything but it's really out of curiosity that got him that knowledge not born with it or anything so all right i got my one kind of quote in there so no uh, <laughs> uh, a few questions uh that i tend to ask at the end um first is if you had to teach something to other marketers what would it be SEO. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, no, if I had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? To be honest, I think the everything you've said in this has, has been very focused on that question, but I guess I'll squeeze the grape and see if you have anything else. I think the number one thing would honestly be to fail fast, like, and to not overcomplicate, keep it simple and fail fast. Like, I, I think we get really lost in like, coming up with a perfect strategy and it's like, Hey, like, don't ever forget that execution is where the truth is told, like, and get, get to execution, like, and fail fast. You know, I think I needed to hear that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing like literally today. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, so a lot of the listeners, if they listen to previous episodes, they know we're kind of starting to build this community with a lot of the guests and we're focusing on, you know, whether it's referrals, they're just helping out everyone. And, and, you know, obviously some people say they're, they're full service, but at the end of the day, you know, we all focus on the the things that make us great. Um, and sometimes we need to partner with others. So how can you work with other marketing agencies or what services can you partner with other agencies? Uh, tri anything traditional, we don't do it and we own that we don't do it. And, um, you know, we do have like brands that we're serving and partners that need to, you know, get a really awesome out of home campaign started or, you know, do some buying on radio. Um, if it's television, if it's programmatic and it'll land you on TV, we'll do it. But if it's just buying a television commercial or spot, we don't do it, you know, and that we know in that way that we're actually not full service. Like, uh, so we have to partner for those things. And we also, we don't want to pretend that we have an expertise at that. We don't like, and there are very valuable things that you got to know in order to do those buys correctly into a brand's best interest. And we don't know, them, you know, um, so that's a great way for us to partner. And we've, we've found like some really cool, partnerships as a result of not having that service and can fully own that they do that better. And we want to partner for those things. Influencers as well, like in social, um, especially like services and tools that are aggregating good influencers, you know, uh, that's been something that we've been partnering with and traditional PR we don't do like, is there an aspect of PR in our work? Absolutely. But we don't claim the service PR or sell the service PR. Yeah. So I, I think it's amazing that you highlighted the things that you can't do, uh, mm -hmm. but I want you guys business. Um, so, okay. if, so if there's like an agency wants to partner with you, um, mm -hmm. they're like, Hey, we don't do this. Uh, like, does anyone do this? Where would you raise your hand and say like, yes, I, we do that. Oh, tribute. If, yeah. uh, on the digital side, when it comes to like automation, uh, Yes, we do that. You know, um, 
e-commerce, building websites, you know, uh, totally. Yes, we do that. Uh, when it comes to paid digital paid, I think we do that incredibly strongly. And then, um, search engine optimization is definitely a unique strength here in the sense that that's what got my start in the industry. So like the very first service that we ever offered was SEO. You know? uh, we have I'm, I'm going to break. And I think I'm going to, I think Alex was kind of thinking the same thing. And a lot of people start in SEO and then they mm -hmm. break off. Um, either they break off or obviously it's not their core uh, service anymore. Is it the right question to say like what percentage of your business is now just SEO stuff versus, you know, everything else? What's so funny is like, I would say it's like uh, zero and a hundred at the same time. Like, I don't know. Um, in the sense that like, it's a very rare that we actually sell straight SEO. Like I think SEO is a function of a lot of digital marketing work happening well now. You know, so for example, like when you build a website, there's a huge amount of SEO that should be considered in that. Um, and so we're oftentimes selling a website, but we're doing a lot of SEO, you know? Right. Yep. Alex, I was wondering if you were going to jump in. I know you said it a few times in previous episodes, but that you guys started as SEO and then you, you yeah. bounced out there. Yeah, that's exactly how we started. And then I enjoyed the web development aspect more and we just transitioned to that. And now we just... um we work with a lot of SEO agencies and just we'll take their approach and build that into whatever we're building. But yeah. so, so the learning is you have to start an SEO and then yes. you can. <laughs> I just think SEO is the foundations, you know? That, that is it. That, yeah. I was kidding. What you said is actually a little bit more yeah. properly correct. Uh, not that anyone has to start an SEO. You were kidding. I wasn't kidding. I think if you start an SEO, you're doing great. <laughs> no, no, no I, I agree with that. I was making the joke that like, oh, you must start an SEO to start an agency, which is like, obviously, <laughs> but you you brought in the good comment, which is, no, it's actually a really good foundation, which I think is, is totally correct. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple more questions. Um, are you guys looking to hire any positions right now? Uh, yeah, we're short. We're short web designers that specialize in Webflow. Um, and we are looking for that right now. Um, and I mean, I think we're always looking. We talked a little bit uh, about benches before, and I think always be recruiting is super important. Like, you, you know, if you're get, if you're planning on growing as a business, the reality is that people's capacity will run out in serving the brands that they're currently serving at Tribute. And so we always need to have like a, you know, pipeline of talent that's ready to be developed and welcomed in. And we need to be ready to strike on that and move on that, you know, um, as soon as a position opens up. Uh, and we don't want to be looking for the talent when we know we have the position. So looking for the talent is something that always, always happens at Tribute. And having what we call like a very strong bench is somebody who we've already talked to about Tribute. They've already asked us about this place. They, there's a, been a mutual, like, we would like to work together one day. Like, let's stay in touch as soon as a position opens up. If you're still available, we want you here, you know? Um, and that there's a full-time job at Tribute. That's what they do, like, is nurture that bench. Yeah. Uh, I think you might be the first person to say that, but I forget who told me, but they said like, you know, if you have any development work that needs to be done, even if you're not actively hiring a developer, always have like on your website, a developer position available because it's just so hard to find good ones mm -hmm. that you do run into that good one. Even if it's not like totally budgeted in right now, like it's hard to let that go. Right. Uh, you get them. <laughs> yeah, we have a, we have a whole 
strict onboarding. We're always hiring developers because that's our that's our business. Um, like every week we're interviewing developers um, and the ones that are good, we're bringing them in and there's a trial essentially. And then to, to see if they stick, we get them some low, low tasks, um, low by um, they're not critical tasks. Yeah. And then you just, you never know. Well, and Alex, you, you work benches too, right? You have, you always have a bench going too, I think. Uh, we, yeah, we keep, we have a lot of developers in flow um, at different stages um, and we manage benches for other, for our marketing agency clients. So essentially we, the way we position ourselves, everything's subscription. Um, and if a digital market agency essentially gets shorthanded, they just turn on one of our subscriptions and then we help them with that one project. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very awesome. And yeah, I just think that that's important. Talent pipeline in this industry is just incredibly important, you know? Especially yeah. with people working from home and maybe working 70% capacity that they used to at an office. Yeah, uh, and I also feel like keeping talent in this industry needs to be a bigger focus. Like our industry, I think the advertising industry in general has like the second highest turnover rate after tourism. And it's crazy how how quickly like, in this industry, we burn through talent. We exhaust people. I don't think we're ever going to be like an industry that um, is perfect at that. I mean, part of it is like just the nature of the industry. Like mm -hmm. you're always going to have a lot of deadlines in this world of work, you know, and that's not for everybody. But but I do think we need to be focused on like, how do we, sorry, I just kind of riffed on this. Like yeah, how do we keep talent longer? Like. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's almost got to be like a collective effort of everybody who works inside this industry to make that happen. Um, just because everybody benefits if we can make it happen. You know, the people working in the industry are, are the partners and brands we're serving. Like there's just an everyone wins if we can make it happen. And I think there needs to be a larger focus on that in yeah. the culture of our industry. You know, I had a, um, one of my mentors said, um, hire slow, fire fast. Yeah. And um, the firing fast is tough um, Very. for anyone, but the the hiring slow, we've been actually able to create a process around that. And so that's 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 part of it is the the developers that we work with that have gone through the full phase of hiring. They're with us for a long time. Like I have um, our first developer is still with us. Um, and so we, we keep our developers for a while and, um, we had some, we had some issues. So most of our development team was in Ukraine because that's where I'm from. And so when everything happened, we kept, oh, no. everything, but people didn't work. So then we had to go find other developers, but we didn't want to lose them because they were such great members of the team that we had, uh, one of our developers, there was months where he just couldn't work because he was on assignment and, um, but he's, he's an amazing asset to the team. So we just, we just kept them on and now he's back. Um, but yeah, when you find the people that are great, you just, you hold on to them, but getting there is, is tough. And so to avoid this kind of disruption, we just, we just phase people in. And at some point during that phase, they may, during that ramp up, they may drop off mm -hmm. and it's just, that's just expected. We know people are going to drop off, but the people who make it tend to stay for a very long time.
And you said it like, I don't, you said it so well when you were like, it's the hiring slow. Like I do, it's hiring slow, I think is going to, it does more work in solving that problem than anything else. I feel like, you know, cause yeah, fire, fire fast isn't always practical. Like it's not, uh, in theory, it makes sense, but in real life, like the story typically looks a little different, <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, hire slow. That's huge. And I had no idea you guys were like so affected by Ukraine that way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's beautiful. It's beautiful that you kept all of that. It's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. All, yeah, the people that we have there are amazing. And all of that is so much easier said than done, right? Like it's easier to say that line. A lot of us have heard that line, you know, higher, slow, fire, fire fast. Um, but when it really hits you, like it's not as easy as as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, everyone always mentions that they kept their first hire, but no one ever mentions their second hire. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I have both. <laughs> I have both. Yeah. I'll see like first two hires. Um, and then last question, uh, any books, podcasts, or newsletter recommendations? It can be in marketing, it can be in business, doesn't have to be anything. Mm, books, podcasts, or... Oh, so there's a couple right now that I'm like uh, getting into that are pretty cool. There's one, Sizing People Up, which actually has nothing to do with our industry, but it's just really interesting in, in terms of like human nature and behavior. It was done by uh, a formal FBI guy uh i should know his name i'm not giving the author credit that's terrible uh but he he just basically talks about like how do you how do you read people and predict their behavior and actions coming from like the fbi side which i think is interesting anything consumer psychology in our world is just so interesting to me um sure that helps with client relationships too yeah for sure well that's funny you actually mentioned it's funny you mentioned that on the last question because I had like a whole segment of questions around. So your LinkedIn mentions you're interested in human connection and consumer psychology. And I like, but like it never went in that direction. Mm. Uh, so I never got to ask any or even like bring that up. So thank you uh, for at least checking <laughs> me out. It's your question in your book, but uh, I'm glad you at least like kind of got into that because I wanted to dive into that. So uh, any anything else on the book or podcast side? I mean, it's not the most interesting read in the world, but it is the probably the most impactful one to our business is Traction by Gina Wickman and that entrepreneurial operating system. I don't know if you guys have heard mm-hmm. that one before, if it's been, yeah, that one is, it's just so good. Like in terms of like, if you, if you apply it into the business, what it can do um, is quite remarkable. And I think it's particularly cool for agencies um, because when you're dealing with partners and brands that are also different from one another, you're dealing with people that are also different from one another. It's the operational consistency that you're able to bring to kind of control or at least compartmentalize the chaos in a very effective way. You know? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's awesome. And as we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else you'd like to end with. Uh, we are tribute.com. And uh, fun little story is that I've never changed the contact form to redirect to anybody else but me. So that contact form goes directly to me still. And I enjoy that, honestly. Um, so I absolutely love it if anybody who wanted to talk found me on wearetribute.com. Perfect. Uh, and thank you yeah. so much for coming on the show. And for those of you awesome. who from this episode, please consider giving us a like or follow so we can continue getting the highest quality of guests. And as always, thank you for listening. Sarah, this was amazing. Sorry, was there something that was going to be said at the end? Oh, yeah. I was just going to ask if someone has questions for Sarah, um, 
use that contact form if you heard it on this uh, on this episode. I want to follow up. Perfect. And guys, thank you so much. I'm sorry, we're interrupting your conclusion. <laughs> thank no. you. Thank you so much for having me. Like I meeting you guys through this experience has been really cool. And this podcast has just been really cool. Thank you guys so much for having me. I, I appreciate that. And and sorry, and, and you this is not the last you'll hear from us. Again, we have this whole community thing. Uh we went so long, and that's always a good sign of a great episode, Sarah. This is is honestly one of the most like actionable and just helpful episodes that I think we've had. Um, and, and it was very practical. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the masters in marketing agency podcast. I hope got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.